G'day, amigos. It's me, Tiffany. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of T Coops Talks. I'm your host, Tiffany Cooper, and it is a podcast where I talk about anything and everything that is of interest to me or speaks to me on a spiritual level. Now, um, this podcast, I think, is probably going to be like an episode of Seinfeld. Because it's going to be a show about nothing. <laughs> I'm going to try to do like a Seinfeld podcast, but I don't know how. So hold on. How to get to Seinfeld? Hold up, baby kicks. I got you, fam. I don't know if you've ever watched Seinfeld, but I actually started watching it the other day. And I can't seem to stop watching it. It's a show about nothing, yet it's so interesting and so fascinating. And like my question is like, how do you create a show about nothing, but yet it's so interesting and it's definitely one of these shows that the humor comes from the dialogue and you just can't watch it and laugh at it if it's just white noise and it's actually funny I was talking about this because I said to my sister the other day oh I've just been watching Seinfeld and she's like no joke I just started watching Seinfeld I was like oh it's meant to be But I have to say that I'm not emotionally connected with any particular character, but I will have to say that I've genuinely laughed at this show. Like, I I think it's very, very funny. I think uh, Jerry Seinfeld's, like, stand-up comedy part, like, at the beginning, at the end, sometimes in the middle of the show, because it kind of feels like it's, like, two episodes in one, if that makes sense. Um, but the dialogue to kind of sets the tone of what that episode's going to be about. And I find it funny. Like, I genuinely laugh out loud because I found that some of the jokes that he's told is that I've envisioned myself being in that particular scenario or I know someone who's been in that um, predicament. So I remember even as a kid, my mum said that she always enjoyed watching the show. However, I never actually saw her sit down and watch an entire episode of Seinfeld because... She never knew when it was on TV and it always seemed to be on... It was never on, like, Channel 9, Channel 10. It always seemed to be on, like, a really random channel that if you were channel surfing and you had nothing else to watch, you would watch it. It was, like, one of those channels. I think maybe it was, like... Was it Channel 9? I can't even remember. It was such a hot minute. I think it was, like, maybe 9 now or something like that. I reckon it was 9 now they had the Seinfeld... Yeah, and the time I think it would be like just before the news that the Seinfeld episodes would play. But then I don't know whether they were played in order. I'm not really sure. I just remember channel surfing and then saying, oh, there's Seinfeld, but then it never went further than that. <laughs> I will have to say that my mum, as I said, watched it, but it wasn't her favourite, favourite show. Like if it was on, she would most likely watch the end of it. And as a kid... I kind of didn't understand why my mum really enjoyed the show. But as I've gotten older, I find it very, very funny. I think it's because I get it now. Like, as a little kid, I think there's a lot of jokes that just whoop, go over your head. And, and that probably was me. Um, and I want to say about a lot of... Uh, I actually started watching Seinfeld only because I like watching things on YouTube. I think the reason why I love watching YouTube videos is because it doesn't have this really... Uh, I don't know. It has this more genuine human-like uh, part. I think you can see yourself in these creators and it's not this manufactured reality because I, lo- I love watching reality TV, but you got to remember at the end of the day that it's actually one person who's manipulating the whole storyline, which is the editors and the producers, and what they may be telling is not really what's going on or they might 
be piecing certain parts and making a whole complete storyline when that person who said it, actually that was never, they never said that. They just pieced things together. Uh, And I think that's a really interesting um, concept of how reality TV is made out to be, this is reality, but it's actually a distorted reality. It's a scripted reality that's not real. I remember learning about that in grade 11 or grade, no, grade 12 in film and television. And when they, you learn that in the voice or those singing shows when people are watching the reaction of their child singing it, that's fake. That's manufactured. Or sometimes the singing may have like auto tune or, um, and then when you know about all these like information, you become really, really skeptical about the whole process. Um, and it's really quite interesting. Um, I, many, many years ago, I think when I finished school, I have never told anyone. Fun fact. I actually auditioned for X Factor. It was really interesting going on. I think I've spoke about this in another podcast. If I haven't, whoopsie desi. Uh, but when I did the whole audition process, I'm really glad that I didn't get far because I learned a lot. But I learned, hmm, if I wanted to pursue anything along the lines of singing, I don't think I'd actually want to go through a reality TV program because I believe that a lot of these people who go on these shows get this instant success and then they don't know how to obtain it because it wasn't given to them gradually. And I think when it first started in Australia, like uh, shows like The Voice and Australian Idol, I think it was a really good um, – it came in at the really right time because people love watching other people about singing and seeing good things. But then it got to a point where they were just so fixated on, you know, sob stories that the talent wasn't the thing that people were coming to the show for. It was all these, like, traumatic backstories. Like, honestly, I think if I did X Factor and I just said that my gay fish died, I probably would have boop, right to the top. But uh, I didn't have that emotional backstory, so I wasn't going anywhere. But uh, honestly, if I had some traumatic story, I would have made it. But I didn't. And I had a great childhood. And um, that's not good enough TV. But... I don't really care about that. Anywho, back to the uh, <laughs> talking about American TV shows. I actually don't find American humor to be really, really funny, but um, I found that Seinfeld has been done really well because of how it's been written. Now, I haven't got to the episode, the No Soup For You episode, but I did watch the Chinese restaurant episode, and that's a bottle episode, which I was like, what the heck is a bottle episode? A bottle episode is where... Um, let's say a TV show has spent so much money and they want to film everything in one location. And the soup, uh, not the soup, the Chinese restaurant was all filmed in one location. And sometimes with these bottle episodes, it allows the creators to create maybe some dramatic tension or you get to know the character a bit more. So when drama does happen in um, later episodes, there's an understanding to why this is all happening. So I learned that the other day about bottle episodes. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Every show seems to have a bottle episode and it also bottle episodes allow creative writers to get very, very creative. And I know that, for example, when it came to Seinfeld, um, the producers didn't want a bottle episode But the creators of the show was like, no, we want a bottle episode because we need to create, like, flex that creative muscle that we have. So I think that's really cool. I think, for instance, um, the reason why I don't find American humor really funny is that I find it's put-down humor. It's always humor that seems to belittle people. 
and that doesn't fly with me. I don't like humor that brings people down, makes them feel crap about themselves. And I think humor is also a very cultural thing. I don't know whether now that I find that more people of my generation seem to enjoy American humor, but if you maybe ask people that were of my parents' generation, I think they would find British humor quite funny um, because British humor and Australian humor really work hand in hand because that type of humor is we can take a joke out of ourselves. Like we can take the mickey out of ourselves. We can laugh at our um, ways of doing things. Um, and I just don't think Americans have that ability because they seem to be very, very serious. I don't know whether maybe in later shows that they've been able to change that narrative where they can poke fun at themselves, but it's still not going to be exactly the same as British humour or Australian humour. And I think a really good example of um, humour is Kath and Kim. I don't know if you've ever watched Kath and Kim. It is the Australian version hilarious but you have to be listening to the dialogue and you have to understand um a couple of references to get it now some of the references are a bit dated so if i watched a tv show now i may not get it because it's not relevant to the time that i'm in but that is very very funny humor as a little kid i loved kath and kim i thought it was the funniest thing ever but i started to re-watch kath and kim when i was in my last year of uni when i did live worm live worm was a thing that my uni had which gave people industry experience of what it was like to work in a design studio. And I guess perhaps I had a little bit of free time on my hands or maybe I was doing a task that didn't require essentially a lot of brain power of me. So I could make, maybe it was a coloring in or a drawing task, something that didn't require heavy thinking. And so I decided to watch, uh, rewatch Kath and Kim because it was on one of my Netflix recommendations. And I just couldn't stop laughing whilst watching the show. And a mate of mine said, Tiffany, what what the heck are you watching? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm watching Kath and Kim. And then he was like, yep, yeah, that's it. Like he didn't need to know anything else. He just knew, okay, that's a very, very funny show. I know that it was a, Kath and Kim was a big, 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 big success in Australia. I think it went for a couple of seasons. I'm generally amazed when I was looking through Netflix that it doesn't have like 19 episodes for a season. And I think I'm really glad that they didn't milk it for all it's worth in the TV show because it was very, very cleverly thought out. I will have to say that the movies that they created for Kath and Kim have fallen very, very short and don't seem to have that same comedic like funny effect that the TV show did so successfully. I know that America saw that, oh, Kath and Kim is really, really funny. We need to create our own version. And the American version of Kath and Kim is not funny and it was doomed to fail from the beginning and it actually never got, um, they never got a second season. And I remember a mate of mine, he really loved watching Kath and Kim and he got the US version of Kath and Kim and he said, it's just... It doesn't work. It's just not funny. And I remember, I think for a very, very brief time on TV, um, they tried showing the American Kath and Kim, but it just, I don't think it gained any traction. So I think that, again, there's some TV shows that only work for certain cultures or countries because, like, maybe adapting it hasn't worked but then it's really interesting that shows like The Office which started off as a British idea just didn't seem to work but somehow when it was taken to an American audience and they changed it and it it somehow has been really really successful 
Now, I will be transparent. I've never really sat down and watched The Office, uh, like a full season. I have to say that I started watching the first season of The Office with my parents um, because it just came at, back to Netflix or it came onto Netflix at the time because I originally Stan, that's a streaming service that we have in Australia, had um, The Office US and then um, maybe the licensing ran out and so Netflix bought it out. And so I, I started watching the first season of The Office and – I could not stand the show. And I know everyone says that you need to, like, you can essentially skip past the first season and then get to the good part. But I think perhaps maybe those type of shows like The Office, I can enjoy in small increments. I don't think I could sit down and binge an entire show. I think I think I'll get to a point where I just get sick of the humor or I just don't understand it. Um, and I would prefer to enjoy it in small parts because I have seen small uh, like videos online, like of just like a small scene from the show. And I, or on Facebook, soon to be known as Meta, we can all laugh about that. <laughs> don't want to fix a problem? Nah, we'll rebrand that. <laughs> What a goob. Um, but I do have a general idea of how, like, this mockumentary of how The Office goes. I think – I can't think of the most funniest thing that I've seen, but I do think that the Staying Alive um, episode where I think Dwight also steals the face – like, the um, the face off the mannequin and it comes uh, – jeez. But I do know that these TV shows, like The Office – um, I think my sister was saying that there was someone that they had like a medical, there was some type of thing that perhaps it wasn't usual, like my, most average people wouldn't have it. And whatever they did or how they wrote it was able to bring such awareness to this certain medical thing. Um, and it, they did a really, really good. Now, I can't remember what the medical thing was. I'll have to ask my sister, but there was something that they did that brought a lot of attention and if these type of scenarios happened and that type of person happened to be in that situation that the people around them were able to help them so that see not everything is bad about a show and i know that the office us is insanely successful because i kid you not on the memes for jesus page there's always a blooming meme about like the office or how like there was a certain scenario in the office that people can relate to so I don't feel like I'm missing out by not watching The Office but I do feel like I have a pretty good idea of how the show goes and I do know that as soon as Michael Scott leaves the show that's when it takes a real nosedive and that um, people really loved Pam and Jim at the beginning of the show but then they wanted to really make the marriage fail because they did get married and people like we don't want to see people's marriages fail and I think sometimes when it comes to let's say television people really watch all this entertainment to escape the reality that they're in and they want to see good things happening I also do think that yes there's shows that need to address things um, and highlight certain situations but at the end of the day it's a form of storytelling and people want to escape that like their their world and I know especially when it was in war times things like um, movies like Snow White did exceptionally well when it was released was that it kind of took people's minds off the reality of like actually we're in war with another country so it's a pretty interesting um, stance of where you want to be on that argument I think 
I really stand by the fact that entertainment is a form of art and it's an escapism from the reality for just a moment of time. But then some people, after a while, if they keep watching it, they really struggle to distinguish distinguish what's fact in what's fiction but at the end of the day that viewer had that choice of continually watching the show we can't keep blaming everything on the writers and what they do because everyone makes a a choice and a decision every day and you can't keep blaming everyone else for your own uh, problems so that's the other thing I will have to say that I did watch Parks and Recreation and when I first watched it I did not get it I, I did not get it whatsoever. I, bought, I remember um, my one of my best mates, uh, she came to my house. I, now, I don't remember why she came, she came to my house. I can't remember the situation. I mean, I think it was a Batchy Goss party. If you don't know what a Batchy Goss party is, it's a bachelorette or bachelor party. Everyone comes to my house. We have dinner. We have ice cream and waffles. We roast and toast The Bachelor. We give our top ranking for who we think will make the top three, Etika, Etika. And now she bought a DVD along of Parks and Rec, but I don't know why. Anywho, I remember um, she brought it over. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't impressed that she brought it over because I was like, we weren't there to watch your show. We came to watch the Bachelor. Anywho, I went over to see uh, her house to go and watch Parks and Rec and I genuinely didn't laugh the entire time until the very, very end of season one where Leslie Nope fell into the pit. That that was the part that got me and that made me laugh. But I just, I didn't get the show. I did not get the show. So I found that many, many years later, I re-watched snippets that I saw on Facebook soon to be known as Meta, (laughs) and I found that I could enjoy parks and recreation in small doses. Like I couldn't take a whole episode. I did start watching, I think I watched quite a few episodes of Parks and Rec and I enjoyed it, but I couldn't, I couldn't continually watch it like my mate did. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it, but I will have to say that, um, it does make me laugh. I will say that my favourite character from Parks and Rec is Ron Swanson. Now, and, and I don't think I'm alone on that. I think he's probably the most popular character of Parks and Rec. And I find that there are little elements of me in Ron Swanson. I love how BuzzFeed made a video solely dedicated about um, Ron Swanson's best quotes. And I've watched that clip a couple of times and it never fails to make me laugh. There's just like, isn't there one line like, I can't remember it word for word, but like, dear frozen yogurt, you are the celery of ice cream. Be ice cream or nothing. Zero stars. Like something like that. I didn't do it very, very good. Um, but I love that line. So, so funny. Or um, there was something, some jokes about fishing. Now, I don't do fishing, but I found that that was very funny, funny. And I do remember um, showing my mum this Ron Swanson BuzzFeed video and of the quotes and she would give me really perplexed looks of confusion and then laugh at certain things like the frozen yogurt joke, which got me good. But the one scene that got me really good um, that I definitely see a very, very strong element of my dad 
is that this is one scene where Ron is in a meeting with a whole squad and then his phone goes off and his ringtone is a shotgun firing. And my dad's ringtone is um, – my dad's ringtone actually scares the crap out of me. Like every time I hear it, it makes me like jump out of my skin. And my mum says the exact same thing as well because his ringtone is of his car going super fast on a dyno. Now, it's not a dinosaur. It's not going wee off a T-Rex and in midair like uh, that would be incredible I love to witness that but a dino um, the best way I can kind of describe it is like um, a dino means it's like measuring the speed of a vehicle without driving around on a racetrack it's like on a I don't know I'm trying my very very best to to explain but it's the car staying still but the wheels are moving and on this dyno it measures how fast the speed is but my dad's car that he did it is the coupe and it's like a v12 and it's an insanely loud car like insanely loud so um every time if you heard this ringtone of my of my dad's car on a dyno you would legit jump out of your skin like like every time like you're in the middle of a conversation and you're like like legit <laughs> so funny so i don't have the ringtone to um show you but le- you would be like really scared pooping bricks i'll tell you that and um i think the other scene that i really really love in parks and rec which gets me really good is when um i can't remember the guy's name i think his name's chris um and he's this happy go lucky dude that you know nothing is bad for him um I think he said the flu was the the worst thing ever. That's a really good one. Like stop pooping, like that that one. Um, where he puts Ron Swanson in a circular desk, and there's this lady who comes in and who says that oh the tap water like she drank from the tap water and something bad happened. And Ron Swanson is sitting in the middle of this desk and he just keeps spinning on his chair like in the same spot. And this lady's like chasing him around the table. Hilarious! Like that one it gets me good. Like I feel like sometimes I need a table like that when I want to dodge responsibilities. I'm just gonna sit in the middle and just keep turning on my chair and then people trying to chase me. <laughs> And try and talk to me, but I'm like, uh, nah. <laughs> like, it's like the donut table. It's very, very funny. If you've never seen that clip, um, you'll definitely get a very, very good giggle out of it. But I will have to say that, like, with Parks and Rec, I can, again, only take it in small doses. I also love the treat yourself where there's Donna Meagle and T-Mobile. Uh, treat yourself 2011. <laughs> oh, I really like this crystal beetle, but I don't know whether I should get it. Hmm. Donna Beagle, treat yourself. <gasps> or the other clip is where, um, what's the love interest of Leslie? Nope. What's his name? Ben. Ben decides to make a stop motion and um, it's so funny. And because the reason why I love that stop motion clip is because stop motion is such a time-consuming thing. Like if you've ever sat down and gone, okay, I'm going to make a stop motion and I want it to go for three minutes, I don't think you realise how time-consuming that whole process is. And then people who do that for a living, you have so much respect for. I think those type of films where they do the stop motion with, like, clay or um, I don't know what the actual word is, but it takes, like, two to three years and you're just like, what? Are you kidding me? I think Shaun the Sheep is one of those where they don't do the animation. It's, like, all done by hand. It's purely amazing stuff. I have a lot of respect for people who do that because I remember um, doing a stick for – I don't know 
if you remember this, but stickers were like these, you know those drawing dolls where you move, there's no faces on the doll. You see them in Ikea all the time um, and people use them for practicing drawing. Like that's what it was, but it was stickers. It was like that, but very, very small. And then you would do it for stop motion stuff. Um, and I remember doing that because I thought, oh, I can do that. And then I started it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not my calling in life. <laughs> So I still have the stickers even though all these years later. At the moment, like another TV show that I'm genuinely like really obsessed with that I'm trying to watch as much snippets as I can on YouTube because I don't want to get Disney Plus because not like uh, I don't really want to be getting like 700 streaming services. Like I, the only streaming service that the Cooper household, like this Cooper household has is Netflix and we're pretty good. We don't need any more. I've been watching snippets of Kim Possible on YouTube and oh my gosh. As a little kid, I legit was like obsessed with that show. Like Kim Possible, mm-mm, a bad ass. Like she had this sassy hair flip. She was like super smart. She fights crime, has a few good best mates. Like there's Ron and there's Wayne who's like the secret agent guy who's like, mm, what's a, is it Stitch or Snitch? What's a stitch? Is the snitch? It's not a chicken snitch, I can tell you that. Um, but And she does backflips. Like, you know how badly I'd like to know how to do a backflip? Like, me and aerodynamics, I don't think it's a combo. You know, like chalk and cheese? Yeah, that's me and backflips. But I respect people who can do backflips. And Kim Possible can do backflips. Like, I liked also in the show, I didn't watch it all the time, but I liked the dynamic between Ron and... Kim and how like it was a very very healthy friendship is it wasn't like toxic because so many teen shows had these really toxic relationships between like a male and a female character and I was like it does what why why do you need a toxic relationship like it can be very mutual no romantic things going on and even now just in real life I have the one mate in particular who we are good mates but there's absolutely nothing romantic between the two of us, uh, nor will there ever be anything romantic between the two of us because I was being very blunt about that. When I'm out with him or something like that, everyone's like, are you two an item? Like, uh, no. We're just a couple of mates. And there's no toxic relationship between either party. Like, we want to see the other person succeeding and living their best life. Why can't there be more relationships like that like and and for that to be seen on television so I guess I really liked that with Ron and Kim because they were very transparent with each other um and I I think perhaps maybe it was a show that was really ahead of the time like in teen films because you just don't see it these days and I think the reason why I also like it is that at the beginning of the show for most of the seasons or most of the sh- most of the run of the show is that Kim and Ron are really really good mates and i think when it comes to relationships people forget that you need to be a good friend like your best friend first and then all that romantic stuff comes after because in so many of these hollywood block- blockbuster films or whatever you see like especially in entertainment they 
totally brush past the fact that, oh, we actually need to be friends first. And I think when you have all these romantic things first, it actually creates more problems because you're not getting to know who that person is. And I think people also get so swept up with the feeling of being in love. And I think you can either get be in love with the idea of being in love or genuinely be in love with them. But I think at the end of the day, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you need to be good mates with them because romance is not going to solve the major problems in life. You actually have to be open. You have to communicate and feel like you can be able to openly speak your mind um, and they that they will listen and take on board what you say. So I think I like that about Kim Possible is that they're just – solid mates and even though Ron was in the friend zone he got out so if you're in the friend zone you can get out champs like hold on hold on and I will have to say that when I watched Kim Possible like the only time I get to watch it was on a Saturday morning on Saturday Disney now I don't even know Saturday Disney is a thing anymore but back in the day Saturday Disney was my jam because I didn't have any pay TV. I think I've mentioned that in another episode. I didn't have pay TV. So, like, the only cartoons I could really get was on Saturday Disney or whatever was playing on ABC after school. But then I never watched cartoons growing up as a kid, not because I had anything towards them or anything like that. I just was very, very very blessed, very fortunate that my next door neighbor was essentially my best friend and uh, I would always hang out with her after school. So there was no need to be watching cartoons and TV and and that. So uh, I didn't realize how good I had it, you know, until I get a lot older and people are like, yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't have a next door neighbor that was my, my, my mate and lived right next door to me. But the best memories that I would have was that on a summer's day with my next door neighbor, we would go for a cheeky swim. And then whilst we were drying off, uh, we would go to her room and we would watch Phineas and Ferb on YouTube. Now she had this boxy, uh, computer and I thought wow that is the absolute pinnacle of cool because I think I was in primary school at that time and it was very very rare for someone at my age to have their own computer especially like in their bedroom like that was wow that was top stuff like the thing was like when we watched let's say Kim Possible we don't know if they played reruns or not. We're not really sure. We don't know whether they've played in chronological order. But I do know that we couldn't actually really Google Kim Possible on YouTube at that time because it uh, Kim Possible started in 2002 and it finished in 2007 and YouTube started in 2005, but it probably was more popular in 2006. That's when it probably started to take off. I don't even think at that time we had the mindset of, oh, if we want to watch Kim Possible, let's go and go on YouTube. Like that was never something that we thought of. And I think if people did record, let's say, shows like Kim Possible or Vinius and Ferb, uh, what they would do was that it would usually be a recording of it would have been somebody recording their TV with a camcorder. So the visuals and the audios would have not like was not good. Like full stop. You could either see like, do you know if you've ever filmed a TV screen uh, with your phone and it just goes with lines? It was like that. And then, of course, the audio was not great because sometimes you could um, hear somebody breathing because <laughs> they're like right near the tripod. <laughs> No. Oh, no, no, no. They were right near the camera. <laughs> and then um, 
the thing was like they never thought, oh, maybe I should get a tripod. It's like I don't know why they didn't go, oh, film me something off the screen. One of my favorite shows that I still love to this very, very day that I never, I actually never sat down and watched the entire series and I'd love to be able to check it out, but it's just, this never happened, um, is Vinnie's and Ferb. It's just, it's one of my favorite shows because it never limited creativity and what you could do. Watching the show would, it would inspire me to go, okay, how can I seize the day? What can I do that will be really, really beneficial? And I don't know whether that perhaps was the showrunner's mindset that, hey, we're going to create something that is firstly enjoyable but also encourages people to be creative and to think outside the box. I don't know. I'd love to be able to interview the guys who created the show. If you actually look into the videos and Ferb, it actually took probably like 15 years to get the show green-lighted. And then when the show did go, it was a massive success. And I think even though that it followed the exact same format – every single episode, somehow it was still insanely enjoyable. So I've been watching snippets of um, Vinny's and Ferb and I remember um, as a kid really, really not liking Candace, but then as I've gotten older, I've actually seen elements of myself as Candace Flynn and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> But um, I lo- I really really liked that show. Like if I had to give tell my kids, okay, you've got to watch one show. It'd probably be that one, um, just because it was so creative. I don't know, and and plus the music slapped. Oh my goodness, whoever was writing the music knew how to write some fierce ads bops. Like my favorite song from Vinius and Ferb is "Busted." Like oh my gosh, it's still on my Spotify playlist. And if it comes on in my car, guess who's gonna be singing their heart out? Me. Like it's just oh. And then when that song "Busted" comes on, like I I love harmonizing to it, especially in the chorus. It's like I don't wanna put the hurt on you. But you better believe me when I tell you that I finally got the dirt on you. You're busted. Busted. Yeah, you finally gonna see, see the, the light. light. This is how it's gonna be when, when she, she finds out that I was always right. You're busted. Like, are you telling me that that does not slap? Ugh. Excuse me. <laughs> And I think with also Vinny's and Ferb, like why it's one of my favorite shows is that it, I have really, really fond memories about it. And as I briefly spoke about it, like whenever I think of Vinny's and Ferb, I always think of my next door neighbor and how we would spend our summer in the swimming pool. We would go to her house. She had a pool and we'd go and swim in it. And then after we were swimming, we'd go to her room and we'd watch Vinny's and Ferb in front of her big boxy computer and we'd both be wrapped in our beach towels. We were dry. We had dried off. We did the drying off part, you know, outside the house because, you know, her mum was like, you cannot walk around with stinky feet in on my carpet, which is understandable. I respect. I, too, do not want stinky, soggy carpet. I get that. And then I would usually be sitting on her beanbag. It was a black beanbag with pink flames, and she would usually sit on the chair. But when we were really, really little, both my neighbour and I could fit on the beanbag, but then when we got 
bigger. One had to sit on the beanbag and the other sat on the chair. Sometimes when we would watch Renews and Fair, we would only ever watch the first part of the episode because I think at the time uh, YouTube wouldn't allow people to upload videos longer than 15 minutes so crazy now because most people's videos go for 30 minutes like that's the regular now which is kind of wow times have changed (laughs) but you would have to watch it in two parts and whenever we would try and find the second part of the episode we'd constantly get rickrolled like the amount of times we got rickrolled was just absolutely off the blooming chart but anywho like I always associate like rickrolls with like Vinnie Sinfer because the amount of rickrolls we would get is that Ridiculous. As I said, I haven't really been watching uh, – at the moment, I actually have not been watching YouTube because there's just nothing of interest on there. So then the next best option is going to uh, Netflix, which is nothing – it's not something I would um, say, but I have a bit of a confession, guys. Like, hear me out. So for the last couple of months – and I'm being – I'm not being a facetious snoot. I'm being damn right serious <laughs> – I have been eagerly checking to see when the next season of Selling Sunset will come out. Now, it's one of my guilty pleasures. I know, but even but it's not me who's obsessed with the show, okay? I'm not a lone ranger on this one. It's kind of great. It I don't really care for the drama. I I honestly don't care. Like I I'm watching to see these expensive houses. And then I go, hmm, why would somebody want to spend that amount of money on that house? Anywho, but if you've never seen the show, it's about these glamorous, um, pretty real estate agents, like really attractive real estate agents, they're all women, um, selling these really expensive houses in Los Angeles. Now, this is a question and I don't have an answer to it and I want an answer. Are these people in the show, are they real estate agents or are they actors or are they both because if you go and google it i'm not the only one that has this question like i'm not saying that pretty people can't sell real estate i'm not implying that at all Mm -mm, absolutely not it's just the thing is like if you go and google these people the first thing that comes up in their things that they do is being an actor and some of them it doesn't even mention the word real estate so are they real estate agents? Can somebody please let me know? Like, I think there's a few that I can go, oh, yeah, they're real estate agents. But then other people, like, my question is, like, some of these women are so insanely busy. I'm like, how can you be writing a book and being a model and doing all these photo shoots, raising a small human, being married, and be selling houses? How do you do it? Like, I know that I've gone to some, along to some of these KBN meetings and I remember listening to this one lady and, boy, like, she did so many things in one day that I felt tired listening to her. Like, honestly, I was like, ma'am, how? Like, she said, I do a podcast, I do uh, work out at the gym, I do X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, how are you human? How do you do this? Like, do you enjoy this, ma'am? Can we, can we check? But... I honestly, if somebody can let me know, send me a DM and go, Tiffany, they're fakies. They're, you know, they're phonies. They're not real estate agents. Can just somebody, like, settle this? I just want to know, okay? But I love the show. Anywho, I've Googled this question. I get mixed results. And I and the people need the truth. Now, I know that 
um, Netflix will suggest like other shows that, oh, you may like. And I think one of the suggestions they said, oh, is like you should watch uh, that Bling Empire. And I watched it and I did not enjoy it whatsoever. I think this reality, this reality show, I just don't like the people. Like it really boils down to that the people that they've put on this show are very, very unlikable individuals and some individual some individuals some individuals are really, really unlikable. Now I don't know whether if they're like that in real life or they're edited to look like that. I don't know. I'm not in the editing room when this all happens. The reason why I say I don't really like the people, hear me out. So one of the instances in this show is that one of the main characters, her name is Christine, um, and she likes to brag to everyone that she meets. Now, the reality, the story that they tell us in the show is that um, there was this other lady named Anna and she was the top dog and then over time Christine has overtaken Anna and um, has become this really, really unlikable individual. At first she was supposedly a really nice, likable lass, but as time has gone on she's really become a very, very self-centred, arrogant individual. Now, I don't know whether that's true. Again, not there, just saying what they said in the show. And I remember in particular, Christine wears this really rare and expensive Louis Vuitton necklace to a party and is bragging about it to Anna. Now, the tea is, I'm spilling the tea, that Anna also owns this $100,000 necklace. Now, Anna is much older. Uh, I don't know what the age difference is, but there's a significant age difference. And she is fed up with Christine's antics. This is just so dramatic, just me reading this. And so when Anna invites Christine and her husband to um, a party, she puts her and her husband, so Christine and her husband at the end of the party, uh, at the end of the table so nobody can hear the sound of her voice because of her petty actions. And then this move from Anna just starts World War Three, and this show is just becomes Biff City. Just talking about this show and the concept of the show, it is so toxic. And um, I, I, I don't really know why people would want to watch it if it's just like, a cat fight the entire time. I think there's maybe one character in that show that I like, but it's not enough to make me go, oh, I'm going to watch the next season. Now, I watched the entire series of that show. I remember um, photographing some limes when I did that, anywho. I remember I remember watching that and I had to skip past things in the show that I was like, this is absolute nonsense. It's straight up garbage. And then my mom asked me later on, she's like, Tiffany, did you – check out that blinging pie and I was like yeah I did and I said honestly you would not like the show like at all I said the people would really really frustrate you so my mum watched like the first snippet of the show and she was like no Tiffany you were absolutely correct like this is the thing I started watching and my mum and I started watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and we really liked the first couple of episodes of the show but then when it became all this cat fight and women competing against other women and belittling um it lost that real essence of capturing of what it was like to be there and it just was so fixated and focused on all this infighting with people and I was like I don't care for that like I want to see what what do you do in your day to day life, and and I know a lot of people when they watch these type of shows of people who are very very wealthy, they want to know what it's like to be in that 
position like and what it's like to be in their shoes and I think people find it funny that these people who have all this money have no sense of what reality is like or how much a bottle of milk costs at the supermarket and like I get that that we are so fascinated to see how the app like the rest of the world lives and what it's like to live in and have so much money that you can go to the shops and buy a packet of macadamias and you don't even have to look at the price because macadamias are so blooming expensive. That's when you know you've made it. Like that's honestly, I know when I'm cash money bags, when I can go to the supermarket and I'm like, I'm going to buy a packet of macadamia nuts and I don't even have to look at the price tag. I'm not even going to sweat. I'm like, I've got this baby cakes. Like, have you had macadamia nuts? If you're allergic to nuts, don't eat them. But if you have... Delicious. 11 out of 10 recommend. And especially if, like, they're honey roast. Oh, my goodness, you've got me again. I'm a little bit on the edge about, okay, what is this Selling selling Sunset going to do in this season four? Because I know that a lot has happened since um, the last time I saw the show. I think because of the pandemic, uh, it also put a little bit of a uh, – what's the blooming word? Uh, chucked a big wobbly in the production on what should they do but then I guess a lot of people in their personal lives had a lot of things happen and chat in such a short amount of time I don't know I just hope that this season or the series that they're creating of Selling Sunset is not so drama based that I'm like I don't give a flying hoot about it I usually when it comes to those type of shows I just skip through all the drama I'm like this doesn't add to the storyline and it's not going to benefit me in five years time so skip 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 I love the skip button oh my gosh best thing ever whoever put the skip button in chef's kiss champion did I do a show about nothing today or podcast about nothing I don't know I kind of hope that I did. Me talking about things that I want. I don't think there was a punchline today, which is kind of what Seinfeld is. <laughs> but I will have to say regarding Seinfeld, my favourite character so far is Jerry Seinfeld. But then everyone else that I've spoken to really likes George. But I will have to say that with George, firstly, how does a bald man get all the ladies? That's my first question. And secondly, I really appreciate that George is very particular about certain toilets and bathrooms that he goes to because I can relate to that as well. Like I honestly, if I can, I will try and make sure I can go to the toilet at my place at all costs. But if I'm unable to hold it, I'll have to go. But I'm maybe a little bit judgmental of your toilet. Bringing bring that up, I remember I went to somebody's house once. I will never disclose the name because if they found out, they'd be mortified. But I went to somebody's house. I went to a party. That's amazing because I never go to parties. And I had to go to the toilet. And I have never seen a toilet so dirty in my life that I was genuinely so scarred for my life. If you come to my house, you'll most likely see me on a Saturday morning cleaning my toilet. Or if I'm bored, I will clean my toilet because when I went to that person's house and I saw that nasty-ass toilet, yeah, okay, probably too much toilet talk. But I'm just letting you know that if you don't have a clean toilet, I'm most likely will be judging, like uh, judging you. I'll most likely be silently judging you, like George from Seinfeld. That's the end of the episode. I hope you have a fantastic and productive day. Um, I hope that you can go to the toilet in peace today. 
um, and that you know that I'm very particular about that. As I said, when Selling Sunset comes out at the end of November this year, 2021, T Coops will be watching the show, critiquing it. Maybe she'll give you a little bit of an update about the show. Don't know. Um, I also am curious by what the women will be wearing because that's a lot of there's a lot of money to their outfits. But probably what they wear um, costs more than some people's first care. Okay. <laughs> Love you. Be a little champ. Signing off from T-Swizzle.